1: focused on helping organisations achieve sustainable improvement for themselves, others, and the planet.
0: Welcome to episode 109 of the Enterprise Excellence Podcast. I'm Emily and here with Brad. Hey. We can't believe it's the end of another quarter where we try to give you our little personal insights over the quarter. And uh, today we thought we'd have a chat about we achieve enterprise excellence by evolving what we already do so not a a big new system that has to come in and be put into place but evolving the small things that we already do to make them better and get some continuous improvement happening in small ways so Brad what are your thoughts on evolving an enterprise excellence journey
1: yeah, why why I've been focused on this, like everyone knows our purpose is create a better future, but it's also there's an element which has always been how do we make these improvement journeys stick, because most fail. I think the stats show ever since Harvard did a study back in the 90s, over 80% don't actually sustain. You know, and so I guess myself and Alex Teo and everyone in the community that I work with, Peter Hines and you know, a lot of people have always been studying how do you make this actually stick. Mm-hmm. And I think we're gradually getting better. I'm sure in five years' time, I'll look back and think, wow, okay, if only I knew then what I know now. But where we're at at the moment is we feel that this evolution-type approach where you evolve it, especially in countries where they don't respect power distance and, you know, like Australia where it's very equal and there's a lot of existing habits, I think it can really help you get there a lot faster.
0: Yeah.
1: And a lot more sustainably.
0: Yeah. So how do you go about it? What would be, I know we've got the um, time optimization program on our website at the moment.
1: So yeah, is
0: kind of a way to maybe start looking at how you do?
1: I'd, I'd say that's like number two. Like number one, I think would be like it, it all starts and ends with senior leadership, you know, and the more you can get to the most senior leadership, the better because mm-hmm. there's a concept called the leadership shadow. The leadership shadow is real, what senior leaders do sets a tone for what the rest of the business does or doesn't do, you know. And of course, it's natural. They, do they see themselves as a team and work as a team or not? Because if they don't, they're going to go back and talk to their teams in a negative way about other teams, and that's going to create this cascade of division. Do they um, practice best practices themselves um, and rate the way that meetings are done and the way that we drive projects and improve towards strategy and our vision? If they don't, well, they're not gonna be skilled at then coaching the leaders below them and how to actually get better at that, which means it's gonna cascade. So that's sort of how the leadership shadow plays out. You know, it's just logical. Mm. But I think the first thing I'd say to really enable this by sort of stealth or an evolution is first of all, to really understand senior leaders, like understand their background, their goals, their vision, what they're really focused on for the organization because typically that's really robust. In most companies, Um, understand the meaning behind it. So you're trying to get to that meaningful side of things. What this allows you to do, if you're not that senior leader, it allows you to one, start to build some trust with them by finding common ground in the background. You know, what we share in common from a historical point of view or where we live and what we like and what we do because trust is important. But also it allows you to clearly understand their vision and their mission or purpose for that and the goals they're trying to achieve. Because anyone in this world, if you're trying to influence them, if you can understand ultimately what they want to achieve and you can then align to that and show them how you can help achieve that, you're going to get their Mm buy-in. So I'd say that's the first thing to do. And then I think the next thing would be probably the time optimization program to help them save time. Because everyone's in the whirlwind, they're flat out. Um, The more we can help them free up some time to put some effort to some different things the better you'll go so for everyone that's on our website you can go there and um i think it's on the um on the per, shop. shop page for shop free page. currently yep. um just know depending on when you listen to this podcast it might not still be for free uh, i think we're currently in september 2022. 2022 and so yeah see how you go with that but it's bringing some time up for them and helping them go through a process to actually look at their time. And I'll, and part of it, the time optimization program basically gets them to look at their vision and their direction. And so it all it's all connected. Mm-hmm. Um, the next bit I'd say is if you can, you know, get commitment to run voice of customer analysis and voice of employees. And when I say voice of employees, I'm talking about really internal customers. You know, they are a customer of the senior leadership. Mm-hmm. It's amazing when you look at voice of customer data and you look at voice of employee data, it actually ends up telling you where your constraints are and your challenges are, because the two sort of interconnect where the voice of employee overlaps with the voice of the customer, you're probably finding your pinch points in an organization. And it also is stuff that typically senior leaders really buy into, because I think the bulk of senior leaders truly want to do things better for customers and truly want to do things better for employees. Mm-hmm. You know, especially in in today's day and age, mm. so mm-hmm. that data is powerful to help shift behavior and actually get that buy in. Obviously, senior leadership to actually do things differently. Mm. And I think as a, if you're a CI consultant or a business improvement leader, I don't think you have to take that voice of customer, voice of employee data, and go and then tell the senior leadership what to do. I think you can basically facilitate a conversation. And naturally, they will come up with something that's probably pretty close aligned to what you're thinking Hmm. that needs to happen. That's the next step of evolving it. You know, you're not telling someone what to do, you're helping them come up with it themselves and really evolve it, which is powerful. You know, if that voice of customer, voice of employee surveys are done well, you'll have amazing data. If anyone wants it, reach out, we'll be able to get you a template, simple template for voice of customer and voice of employee that's been inspired by people like Peter Hines and all sorts of experts over the years.
0: Yeah, they're all on our website too, under the resources page. Oh nice. Yeah. Already there. Yeah, so it's you can already there.
1: Get hold of it and 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 work through. The final the next bit that can help, but this can get a bit then uh, jargony or a bit cliche in some regards for depending on your organisation is to conduct customer journey mapping or value stream mapping. Now, again, I'd say, what's the maturity of the company with knowing what these things are Mm -hmm. and actually being willing to do it or wanting to do it? Um, It's not something that I'd recommend forcing on an organization because you're going to create kickback on it. But I do find that most companies go, wow, yeah, that'd be cool. Mm -hmm. I'd love to map my customer journey and map the value stream. Because what this allows you to do, it allows you to do two things. It allows you to find your constraint, which Mm -hmm. is theory of constraint, you know, that critical bottleneck that you need to unlock to help the organization just rapidly move to another level. It also centers everyone in the customer's shoes and allows you to really find those moments of truth for the customer. Mm -hmm. And it also allows you to think of some critical, you know, improvements that need to be made. So the flow of a value stream or customer journey mapping event is typically some projects. Mm. You know, and this is where the tune-up starts, you know, the evolution, the things we need to improve. Mm -hmm. Because typically I find that most companies, they don't have a solid project execution system Mm -hmm. in their meetings. Like meetings are very pass looking talking about data, um, very few actions forward, very few focus on critical projects. And and it is a technique where you then bring in some lean or agile project management techniques, right? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: But I'd say in this step, the way to do it is not to just necessarily come in and train on that. It's more to facilitate a conversation with the senior leadership first around how could we improve our meeting? Like just our existing meeting, which they typically have one once a week, it typically goes for an hour or two. Mm -hmm. All you want to try to do is help them tune up the first five to 10 to 15 minutes and turn it more into a performance meeting Mm -hmm. and a performance meeting that's, tuned into their vision, their goal, strategic goals, tuned into the critical measures and has the outcome of you know some rapid actions we've got to do but also one or two projects that they're owning and executing. Mm-hmm. If you can help their meeting evolve and it mightn't be in the first session that you do this, it might be over multiple sessions that you're gearing it up, that their meeting's becoming more of a rapid performance meeting and they're starting to learn some good project management skills you're basically training by doing and helping a senior leadership team become skilled at these critical aspects. And then they're ready to be able to start coaching the rest of the business, particularly if they have a great experience through it. If they start to see themselves, hey, we're getting more done. Our results are going better. We're driving performance. We're getting some projects done. We haven't done that before. We're doing three, four times the projects we did before. Wow. That's amazing. You can then basically go, right, well, how do we How do we get this going in another part of the business?
0: Do you think um, you can get it going at not at the top level so well, say in a middle level team that the, that, you know, that scale of performance can get noticed and maybe taken on board by the senior leaders that way?
1: I think you can, but you need to treat that middle area setting up as if it's, the senior leadership like the problem is if if senior leadership go let's go do lean and agile somewhere else and you know and they say go do it and then report back to me and they don't have a meeting to overcome problems and help remove barriers themselves you will have other teams go off and start doing performance meetings they'll invariably have problems come up they can't handle that's starting to rock their world and stop it run well mm. they'll try to escalate that up to the leadership team one above them and they won't be skilled at removing impediments executing projects driving actions to fix things that happen out lower down Mm. now that doesn't have to be the most senior leadership team in the business but it has to be at some level there is a leadership group of people who are going to really tune up their skills and deploy performance a performance approach into their business but they are willing to be geared to execute problems, overcome, you know, impediments well, they and challenges. have to
0: be able to make decisions. Yeah.
1: Yeah. In Agile, we call it the executive action team. And if, if it can't be the top brass, set up the executive action team at a lower level to start with.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then, but over time, you'd want to try get it to the senior executive because invariably things are going to come up that have to go to the senior executive because they're the only one with authority or power to do it. Um The only other tactic I can think of is if you don't have the executive action team at the top brass tuned up, maybe you could do it through one-on-one relationships with key leaders to just drive action and overcome challenges, engaging them one-on-one or just ad hoc engaging them when you need it done. Mm. But it's not as slick as if you can get that connection straight in and and them running effectively. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a tough gig. Yeah. but if you can if you can get that happening as high as you can in the business and agile's called the executive action team and you don't have to bring in another meeting all you do is help them tune up their existing meeting hmm. you link back the reason why we're doing it to the voice of customer voice of employee and their goals and aspirations helping them get there and then you basically then cascade it to one area at a time i'd say cascade it through middle management to front line in a particular area and get that multi-tiered scrum or huddle sequence going.
0: Well, it's kind of um, by the time you're getting to the front line, the standardized practice, isn't it? That links back to the customer journey mapping and the value stream. Yeah. Hmm.
1: And you've got every leader above it skilled at the practices so they can coach and help it keep going. Like we all revere Toyota. And when you look at Toyota, the majority, if not the bulk of their senior leaders have all come from bottom up and they've learned all the critical Toyota production systems and they're actually experts at it. What that enables is that they can, they're all coaches. Mm. From the very top right the way through, they are able to coach on Toyota production systems and their approach. And it means it sustains and people are constantly being coached and developed. When you don't, when you're starting from fresh or you don't have that in a company, it you, you, you know, we've got to try to create it The best way, if you can, is to really start at the top. There's one other caveat. If the top want to see something first, okay, but they're willing to engage, it may be worth starting and more of a performance project execution approach in a cross-functional team on a specific project. Mm -hmm. Demonstrate the ability to, to execute a project and make improvement and execute another project and make improvement and have real sponsorship from as many senior leaders as you can on those. Again, what projects do you choose? You choose the projects that come up through the voice of customer, voice of employee, and value stream mapping or customer journey mapping.
0: The constraints, really.
1: Yeah, your constraints.
0: Probably initially. Yeah. And then, yeah.
1: So you can now some projects and demonstrate that to the executive and then get them on the journey to help tune up their meeting. And the way you can do that is by going, look, executive, there's challenges that come up in projects that we can't handle. If we could really help tune up how you, we bring them to you and you execute and overcome them too, potentially how about using some of these techniques we're using over here in the projects? It could really help us take that to another level. Mm. Because I think it's... Um,
0: it's good to see things happening, isn't it? Like improvements being made and actions being kind of in projects being done and completed and
1: yeah because ultimately when you get to the high level of excellence you have every team in the business and where they've got their aspirational you know meaningful vision and goals and they've got their performance meeting where they're executing short-term improvement to a short-term vision and goals and moving towards that and they're really in tune with their customers whether it be external or the next team in their process or Whoever it may be, and that's happening at the front line, in middle management, or with interdependent meetings above it, where you know key people come together to overcome impediments and help the front line keep moving forward, and then the executive, well, that's the ultimate. But you also potentially need in the company these cross-functional teams or other teams that are just dedicated to critical projects, mm. big, challenging things that are happening in the business. Mm. And so they can be unstable teams where certain team members are coming into to help run the project for a period of time. But it can also be like an agile practice or a really dedicated team of people who just execute big projects that are blocking the organization. And of course they become like a support to the executive because mm. then the executive can channel those projects off to them and work really closely with them. Potentially I'd say it's important that the executive is part of each of those teams. Yes. you know. Um, but you, you can end up with this totally connected, stable organisation where high-performance meetings and improvement and innovations happening in every team. And then some other just big, chunky, constraint-focused project teams happening that are also connected to the executive. Yeah. But you gradually get to that, you, you know. Yeah.
0: I can see how it to be easier to perhaps set up that sideline um, cross-functional team to make improvements happening and happen and...
1: Yeah, well, it certainly makes the executive happy because yeah. they start having some of their big problems removed. Yeah. And so there's, yeah. you know, there's a benefit in that.
0: Could be the easier way to go for a lot of us instead of trying to get the um, top level to initiate that pr- sort of practice.
1: As long as you've got them backing it because... The sponsorship. The, the sponsorship, but then they do have to tune up because those cross-functional teams, invariably there's going to be stuff up yeah. Yep. And so what happens if they start not being dealt with is that whole process crumbles. Yeah. So ultimately... It won't sustain. won't sustain. Yeah. And then the final bit of then is once you start evolving this and you've got the executive pumping through evolving their meeting and hey, everyone, one thing I should note is they might still want to do their big sit down talk fest after that first 10 minutes, you know, yeah. help them tune up the start of their meeting and run more of a performance meeting style approach and then after that they may still want to sit down and just talk but a great tactic if they don't want to do that and they want to save time can be just saying well what other agenda items are there who needs to stick around and talk about those Mm -hmm. so you can have a, a really slick executive meeting where the ones that aren't relevant to those other topics can get back to work and delivering value and only the ones that need to hang around yeah there's many other tactics you can bring bring in But that's the, you know, looking at an evolutionary approach to enterprise excellence and looking to cascade enterprise excellence from the top. Mm -hmm. I guess we've covered a number of different tactics you can use to get around that. There's one other caveat I should mention that as you've got this going, you need at some stage to bring in the conversation of succession planning because you could have the slickest, fastest, best agility and performance going at all levels because you over time you've got every part of the business going it's all connected to the executive but if you don't have a good succession planning system and a number of executive and leaders leave and you hire from external and those external people don't get on well and they bring in their totally different views and behaviors mm. it can all crumble rapidly.
0: Mm-hmm. There's so much uh, movement in the employment, isn't there, at the moment? That's that's crazy. Yeah, that's
1: crazy. So yeah, well, that's that's the evolutionary approach to enterprise excellence. There's a lot more to it, of course.
0: So what's the, um, if we give everyone just a quick short list of some practical steps now. The number
1: one practical step would be get to know the most senior leaders you can and really understand their background and direction and really what their vision and goals are. Number two is see if you can convince the business to do some voice of customer voice of employee surveys and look at our website for those. Potentially also help the leaders save some time rapidly using the time optimization program. Then is value stream mapping and customer journey mapping right to do right now? If it is, do it, find some critical projects and start to then look at, how do I just tune up the executive meeting? How do we just help them at least have the first part of it more to a performance meeting where they've got their vision, mission, goals, maybe some economic engines or lead measures, actions and some project execution approach that they choose. That could be an agile approach, it could be a traditional PMBOK approach or Gantt chart approach if that's part of the company's culture and what they do. Help get that going and then Maybe some of the one or two critical projects sitting there and the executives start getting used to executing one or two key projects. Then pilot down into a particular area of the business. It could be that your first pilot's gonna be um, unstable or temporary project teams where you pull people out of different parts of the business to execute projects and overcome big challenges. Mm -hmm. But it's key that they have that performance meeting happening above them with the executive so that any impediments that come up that they can't handle can go to the executive and be dealt with. Mm -hmm. And then the final bit I'd say after it all is look at, do you have a monthly review meeting of projects and performance? Some people call it business business process review or business performance review or integrated business planning or there's many names for it. Mm -hmm. But it's just, is there a forum each month where what's being worked on in the business and the projects we're working on that's conducted. The main reason I'd say for it is to make sure people aren't overburdening themselves Mm. and that they're working within capacity and demand. And also that we're working on the right stuff. Today, you might need to adapt and change rapidly. That's the main tips I'd give.
0: And then your succession planning.
1: Oh yes, (laughs) I shouldn't forget (laughs) that. But that's down the track a little bit, you know, depending on what your turnover rate is. But yeah, succession planning is a critical factor.
0: Yeah, okay. So on the website, we've got the time op- optimization program under the shop page. And we've got lots of business resources, including the
1: oh, the voice of customer survey, voice of employee survey, empathy map. There's a lot of resources.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. So you'll find that all under the resources page.
1: Yeah. Well, thanks, Emily. Thanks, Brad. Cheers. See we'll you. talk to you in another quarter. Bye. See <laughs> ya. When I started my career in continuous improvement enterprise excellence, I was fortunate to have an existing network I could connect with to go and see and learn. Being part of a community is essential to sustaining an enterprise excellence journey. Peter Hines, who has also been on our show, has the Enterprise Excellence Network in Europe. Jeff Sutherland and Scrum who has been on the show, have a community in the U.S. for people practicing agile at scale. We also offer the Enterprise Excellence Community, linked to this podcast, It allows you to connect monthly with our world's experts and peers to support each other and help achieve excellence together and sustain these journeys. If you're interested in learning more about any of the networks globally, feel free to link with me directly through LinkedIn or through our website, enterpriseexcellencepodcast.com backslash contact.